0: be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes. So check it out, on it.com slash golden ticket, and then enter the code and fill in the entry form. There's going to be a grand prize for one of you, which is going to be a trip out here to Austin and on an HQ. So you'll be able to come hang at the HQ and do all the awesome on it things. So definitely check it out. Go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain We're coming up on January 1st, 2019. And this is the year that we're launching the Fit for Service Mastermind. And if you want to get in for the first quarter, now is the time to take action and check it out. In this podcast, I'm talking with Gerard Adams. He's someone who's been able to take his business and make it incredibly successful, but also someone who credits a lot of that success to his own internal work, to his own ability to be fit himself, to create the company that he created, to create... The companies that he's created to be the type of person that's been able to be in the position that he's been in and that's because of the work internally that he's done and this fit for service mastermind This is designed to be a fellowship to help bring everybody to the fruition of their capability to help release the potential that they have inside. So is it a $50 million business sale like Gerard had? I don't know, but these processes will help you. And we'll always be talking about business and your ability to serve and give your medicine to the world. And that's gonna sometimes be absolutely the entrepreneurial journey. Sometimes it's gonna be the artist journey, but all of that's gonna be woven together And that's the point. Physically fit, mentally fit, emotionally fit, spiritually fit, and financially fit. You have to be in a position of abundance to properly serve not only yourself, but your family and those you love. It's all going to be woven in together. We're going to have the best people that I know involved. And I'm just so excited to meet so many of you. We've had a great response so far. So many different people from different walks of life. So If you have the opportunity, definitely check it out and apply. It's aubreymarketscom slash fit for service. We got a dope new video that explains more of it as well. So definitely check that out too. And I look forward to going on this journey with you guys in 2019. Gerard Adams is one of the most successful young entrepreneurs you will ever meet. We talk about a little bit of his background in this podcast, but he's killing it. And he's killing it because he's putting his heart first. He's hustling, he's thinking about things in a unique way and we get to drop into all of this on this podcast. I don't often get to do podcasts with the focus being around business but it's beautiful when I get to do it with someone like Gerard Adams who has that background, who has that mindset, who has that entrepreneurial fire but also has the wherewithal to explore and discuss a variety of different topics as well. So I'm really happy to introduce you guys to my friend, Gerard Adams. Gerard, my man, we just tried to start this podcast and the universe said no. It said <laughs> no, we're not ready yet. Yeah. You need to bring more <laughs> fucking yes. of the heart to this. Para el bien de todos for the good of all. Here we are setting the right intention and all the audio is gonna work this time. So what I was saying before was you embody this kind of classic success story of someone who, had an idea put their passion put their sweat put their love behind something Were able to actually monetize that in an incredibly dramatic way make the transition yourself into a mentor fast Mm -hmm. and then also for yourself follow your own journey about all right now that i've done these things what does success mean but for those of you who don't know your story you have a great like two-minute video about that encapsulates your story but you can kind of share some of this because it's a really interesting and cool story about that element of your kind of rise to where you are now. And and of course, we'll talk about where you're going next. Cool. Absolutely.
1: And, uh, I was saying earlier, I just want to say, man, my utmost gratitude for giving me this opportunity to, uh, to bond with you and build this relationship with you and share with you. Uh, it's, uh, it's some, you're someone I've admired for a really, really long time. So I look forward to like building that relationship, learning from you, uh, because uh, you're someone I think that is like really tapped in, you know, consciously as a CEO and just what you've created is just uh pretty cool. So um, Thank I you, know brother. it's a I long time that. coming, man, yeah. that, that that we we were that we would finally get this uh, this opportunity to meet. Um man, the journey's been cr- pretty crazy um to to even think looking back because I feel like, every year is like a just just new chapter for me. And I know it's like that for everybody, but my, uh, you know, it all started for me when I was um, growing up in New Jersey, I had really great parents. And um, I feel like because of having a strong foundation growing up, it allowed me to to be um, the man that I am today. And
0: uh, basically, so what was it like, cause I think the, the formula that I've kind of seen and the formula that I've had is I've had a combination of genuine love acceptance and, but also like a little bit of pressure, a little bit of challenge, a little bit of, did you find that in your family or were you able to just immediately, because you had such a strong foundation in your family, just immediately go out and seek the external pressure that's available to us all in the world, in this, in this striving for success, in the challenges that are kind of out there at large. Or did you also find those in your family and in your upbringing as well to kind of create create who you are?
1: So the pressure was definitely there. Um, I've talked about this in in some other interviews. Like for the majority of my career, I've been trying to prove myself. To who? It started off with my father, started mm-hmm. off with my family. Then it started, you know, my, my friends, the kids I surrounded myself with growing up. Um, then it was like to the, you know, to the business world. When I became an entrepreneur, it wasn't the cool thing it is today. Instagram didn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember like wanting to put on a suit every day and going into meetings and trying to like look the part with these like executives Mm -hmm. and trying to get to try to, you know, get business. Um, So I just feel like throughout my career, I've continue to try to like prove myself that i can do this I and mean, you know prove myself also to myself as well sure. but de- de- definitely from a young age there was that pressure for from my, my parents
0: yeah yeah so it's that combination of again pressure yeah and then support you know and i think having both is helpful now you can overcome just pure pressure you know i know some people who have dramatic success stories where it was just all fire (laughs) you know what i mean like no sanctuary all fighter they put on their gear they put on their hard hat and they're like no fuck it i'm going to work and then they get to kind of some of the deeper internal work later but uh yeah interesting and and i think part another interesting part of your story is you know it wasn't dependent upon some ivy league education or whatever actually the college you mentioned is actually a school i don't even know <laughs> what was that school coldwell college like, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. right and people think oh yeah to yeah. be someone as successful as you sold your business you know for 50 million dollars the daily mail like man nah, you gotta be that's gotta be some harvard shit nah no nah, my father <laughs> wanted me
1: to go to princeton <laughs> that was the pressure again that, but it is. Uh, i just wasn't my dad, uh, my dad
0: had me visiting princeton too. yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. For sure, uh, but um, yeah, school. Re- I really didn't, con- you know, conform to that learning in that atmosphere. I've, mm-hmm. You know, and just uh, I wasn't. I, I wasn't a great student. I had, but I was a natural burn hustler. Mm-hmm. And I think now looking back at it, I've most re- most recent, I had a discussion with my father. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's team wanted to do an interview during his for his birthday, and uh, my I, for the first time ever. I got to be face to face with my father and talk to him about this. And he's like, you know, Gerard, he's like, I remember when you were 12 years old and I asked you to paint the backyard fence, you know, he was like, you were like really young. I was like, I want you to go and paint the fence. I'm going to give you 10 bucks. Like, you know, And he's like, I didn't think you were actually going to do this. Um, he's like, but I came home and he's like, I remember you sitting down and the whole freaking fence is the fence is painted. And he's like, how did you do that? And, and, and you responded that, well, you said you'd give me 10. So I went and got a couple of the guests in the neighborhood and I gave them five. I told them I buy them lunch and we got the whole fence painted and I give me my 10 bucks. And he's like- <laughs> Cause I got people to pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You gotta own up to your party. You
0: promised me 10, five of that's already spent. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I don't even remember that stuff, but my father said that that was the moment that he knew that I kind of had this, like a little bit of this entrepreneur side of me, even though, both sides of my, um, my mother, you know, was born in Colombia and Cali, my, my father's side, you know, they immigrated here from Italy. So education was really important. They wanted me to get that college degree. They wanted me to have that security. They grew up in a time where college, the American dream was that, right? Get a good education, get a good job. You know, that was how you became successful and like somewhat of the American dream, mm-hmm. you know, how, how, when they got, when they got here. So they really wanted that for me. And I wanted that, and I wanted to prove that that I can be that person for them. But quickly, my first semester, I was like, this is, yeah, this is definitely not for me. I felt school in itself was a business, you know, getting me into debt, telling me what classes to take in order to get to the classes I wanted to take for, to learn about business. So, so yeah, I ended up uh, just dropping out my first semester and, you
0: know, going through the pressure again of looking like a failure that most of the doubt that that would come in from your parents the judgments about what school meant your parents having to i think parents have a lot of pressure because they want to talk to their other peer group and be like yeah yeah no my son's doing good like gerard's doing good he's in college and you know like it's like safe for now you know and it's like playing almost playing scared a little bit that i think some parent i'm not projecting this on your parents but i know my dad was like that like he wanted me to go to goldman sachs after i got out of school and I, I fucking didn't care about finance i didn't want it but for him i think it would he would have been able to tell his other financial buddies like oh yeah my son he's off at goldman sachs and they would have been then good job michael you've done well with him he's there at <laughs> goldman and you know like blah 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 but it wasn't me it wasn't my song you yeah. know, it wasn't the song that i had to sing and of course as you start to sing your song with confidence then typically your parents will be like oh yeah nice work man <laughs> like Glad you followed your intuition. Glad you followed your own path. I think that's the thing that we all have that point of resistance, which is healthy, but then stepping beyond that, that's where the magic starts to happen.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where, like, I think that's where, like, great parenting really is um, for, because, like, we didn't grow, we didn't have a lot, but the one thing I can't say my parents, even though they gave me that pressure and that love, they allowed me to follow my instinct You know, if I was like I'm, kind of doing this, uh, you know, and there was, you know, although I might have had some of that doubt, although they were scared, and they they feared that, like, oh, you know, maybe I, you know, who knows what they were what was going through their head. Now I'm dropping out of college. They probably thought I was. They might live with me.
0: They might you might live with us forever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know. Well, they caught me hustling right before that, my senior year. So I can only imagine how scared scared they might have really truly been. But they still, even through that.
0: I caught you me.
1: hustling. What does that mean? Yes. Well, my senior year, I ended in, up- In high school. Yeah. I ended up getting caught up and um, getting involved with the wrong group of kids, this gang in my school that uh-huh. basically was like, hey, take this out. So let's see what you can do with it. Uh-huh. And I became really great at selling weed. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, my father, you know, he came down downstairs and I had the scale out and I had my whole bed filled with bags and- yeah, that was the first time that like my father really looked at me. And my father was old school Italians, you know, so growing up, you know, I got you got the belt, you got beat up a little bit, you know, my dad didn't take no shit. Yeah. Um, but that was the first time he did. He just was like, I'm really disappointed. And if mm. you get caught, don't call home. You don't, you know, you're, right. you're not going to be part of this family.
0: Right. And what was that point of reflection for you? Because obviously there's a massive amount of financial opportunity in these first of all it's crazy that weed (laughs) is illegal it's still in some places and was illegal always it's a plant that makes people happy like everybody needs to fucking relax (laughs) universally about this but nonetheless like that was a hustle that's been made available by this artificial scarcity condition that our government and its infinite wisdom has created in the illegalization of marijuana but you know that hustle obviously comes with a big risk Mm -hmm. for that so what was that what was that moment was that the moment where you were like you know what like you're right, Dad. Or was that was there resistance there? Like, what was what was kind of going through your head at that point?
1: No, there was total resistance at that point. Like, that was the first time that I, I, I felt good. Like, I had cash in my, you know, I had this cash in my wallet. I felt like I was valued. People, I was going every day. I, I, I you know, I was the first one to get my license in high school because I was. They could have held me back or kept me forward to held me back. So I was the oldest of my class. So. I every day was driving people home, smoking blunts, freaking <laughs> dropping off to my friend's mom. You know what I mean? Like I was, I loved it. You know, yeah. I had my JLW7s knocking in the back, you know, <laughs> doo doo brown. I was feeling great, you know?
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah. So
1: I just, I, I was like, nah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to stop. It didn't really hit me. When it hit me was when I got pulled over. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've talked about this in, in the past, but uh, yeah, cops, woo, 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 all around me. And in Whoa. that moment, I was like, shit, like, no, now I'm I'm fucked. Like, now I am not going to be able to call home. I'm going to be this failure, all that yeah. stuff. And there was a person committing grand theft auto actually in front of me. And Whoa. Um, yeah, and what the a, came, what a crazy flashlights little. in my eyes. Like, what are you doing? I was like, hey, I'm just picking up my friend from high school. You know, Sean comes outside and is like, hey, you know, I know Gerard, we go to high school. And lo and behold, because lo and behold, it was his mom that I would drop off to every single day uh-huh. And lo and behold, so he comes out and then the cop ends up finding out that they were there because of that person in front of me committing Grand Theft Auto. And they're like, hey, kid, get out of here. And when I pulled off that day, I felt like I had a second chance, a guardian angel of some source, my grandmother. And I was just, at that moment, that's when I was like, all right, yeah, I gotta make a, I have to make a switch. I'll go to college.
0: Mm-hmm. and where am i gonna get into <laughs> caldwell
1: college <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's i i tend to find that the universe gives these little warnings like these if you're paying attention you know like you could have taken that and been like oh that didn't mean anything it wasn't that i'm good like i'm good i'm good just shake it off like shrug it off like a dog that ran into a screen door that didn't see it and just fucking shake real quick and be like okay whatever but you didn't you made the choice then to be like oh that's, that's like it's like that's like a warning shot <laughs> you know what i mean because that could be the real shot later so to your credit i think it is to just listen to those signs that are available because typically i mean sometimes shit just happens boom <laughs> chaos right out of the, right out of the gat you don't get a break you know and that's a different way to learn but i tend to find that when i look back at those things that have been really really challenging like there were some warning shots that i kind of probably ignored <laughs> you know some moments where i could have been like oh yeah. I could have known that a little bit beforehand. Yeah. No, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, anyways, that is one of the classic hustles of all yeah. the classic hustles. And so you had that. You knew that about yourself. Yeah, you knew that about yeah. yourself from the face from the fence painting days and then proved it again in, in a different field. And then, all right, drop out of college. Then, what made you realize, like, that kind of media company that you wanted to start? Like, what was the fruition of that? Like, what was – how would you come to that?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'll I'll try to fast forward a little bit because a lot of people know me because of the Elite Daily. Um, but I was an entrepreneur for about ten over ten years prior to Elite Daily. Okay, you know, so between um, I guess like right around when I graduated and and I dropped out of my first semester, you know, that's probably around like two thousand four, two thousand five. We started two thousand. We started Elite Daily two thousand ten. Just to give you some context. Mm-hmm. So for those five years in between that, um, when I first dropped out, I found a mentor that was involved in actually stocks and investing. And, and I wanted to learn about that. I wanted to learn about that because my father was interested in Wall Street and mm-hmm. he worked at Prudential and he would talk to me about it all, all the time. Um, so that first mentor kind of, taught me how to invest and that's how I initially started to be able to make money. I started he started teaching me how to read SEC filings and you know how to read an income statement, a balance sheet, you know, how to go and like research these companies. And um so I started trading when I first dropped when I first dropped out and then I grew a passion for marketing. I really grew a passion for like all these companies I was discovering all had a, like this unique story about them mm-hmm. and I realized that the way that they were marketing their story was very done very, very by a very traditional means, and you know, road shows and um, press releases, but they they weren't leveraging the internet. Yep. So I was like, well, let me let me give it give this a shot. So I actually started an online community for um, for traders to learn about these different companies and had it where it was each member had a, a rating one to five stars, and um, based on how good you were at picking stocks, you. Uh, you would have five gold stars for instance. And if you, you know, so based on that rating, so it gave a place for, for traders to come together. And then through that, I ended up starting to get some advertising clients and started reaching out to companies. and was like, hey, do you want to advertise on my platform? And um, I ended up getting another mentor, a CEO out of New Jersey, who was reinventing uh, the battery using nanotechnology. He's like, how old are you? And I was like, well, I'm, you know, 19, 20. Well, come and meet me. I want to meet, meet you and he brought me to his office and and that's when i was suiting up as a young guy no mm-hmm. facial hair trying to impress this guy you know but he he was really just like i you know i'm I can't believe you're building this and I don't think you have any idea what you're doing. And he's like, I want you to work for me and I'm gonna teach you about investor relations and public relations. And I'm gonna mentor you and you can stay and work here as long as you like, work building your website at the same time, as long as you get your job done. Yep. So I started literally while my friends are partying in college. I was sleeping at this office. I didn't go home. I was there till three, four in the morning. He's you know, teaching me everything about investor relations and public relations. I'm writing all his press releases. At that point, I grew his his shareholder base to eighteen thousand shareholders. I started, you know, um, building my continuing to build my website, and I was just I loved it, and um, I was obsessed at the at the the the, the company's technology. To this yeah. day, I still don't understand why we have to charge our cell phones every single day, multiple times. Everything else is evolving so quickly, but battery technology hasn't really, you know, caught up to everything sure. else and i loved it i was going to Lucent bell labs with him and and i i just again storytelling and for me i was doing videos on this company i loved i started to really that was when i really started to grow my passion for storytelling sure and um and then basically i started to uh i i started to
0: build a marketing agency to do what i did for that company um and you know how crazy parallel our stories are in some ways like a lot of people a lot of people know about the One of the most interesting companies I did marketing for, which was The Fleshlight, which was actually my stepdad's company. But I had a whole period where I was doing almost exactly the same thing and working with small cap companies. Really? Like this company out of Edmonton, Virex Medical Corp. I go and it's all scientists. Dr. Lauren Terrell, he'd, he'd come up with a new antiviral treatment. They were working on uh, ovarian cancer treatments harnessing the uh, immune system's power but it was a very complex idea and it's very hard to translate that to you know because this is a pre-market mm-hmm. you know pre-market company that didn't have you know a bunch of revenue coming in so this was all about yeah, investors like pre-phase one, yeah exactly yeah they had they had phase two oh, actually phase two, okay and But they had to kind of like reposition their phase two a little bit because it worked with a subset of the, of the data set. But they got another big company to kind of back them for a phase three. So they were in this process, but they're still in this kind of raising money. And it was a really interesting but complex story. Yeah. So I was like, immediately upon listening… I started to assimilate that and started to create videos for them explaining the technology. Like this is how the technology works. And we got animators to animate how the technology works and like how these murine antibodies would affect, you know, the ovarian cancer cell and all of the different things that happened. And that was, and I did that with a couple different companies where it was just like, and then talking to the investors. And Mm -hmm. I had like a big moment, I think I was like 26 or 27, where I was actually on tour on the road show with the, the president the coo of the company at the time and he had a nervous breakdown at ubs here in new york and i knew the material cold because i made the i made the presentation i made the videos like i understood the technology i understood everything there and like he just had one of those moments where he was exhausted or whatever It so just started full body sweats like body shut down and we're in the the offices of ubs which is one of like obviously the biggest banks here right it was like a the big one that we were going to and i was like Yeah. All right. Fucking I'm on. So I just fucking led the presentation and did the whole thing myself. And they were like, and they, they weren't interested in investing, but the guy, you know, I remember the, the VP, whoever we were presenting to was like, Hey man, that was really fucking cool. What you just did in there and like took me out to eat. And then, you know, and I was like, I got an entree into that world. And then I got introductions to other companies. Crazy gold mining companies Me and too. energy That's, got, how, that's yeah, how I made Bullion my initial River money. Bull, what, what was Bull, Bullion company? River Gold. Bullion River Gold was the <laughs> company, but yeah, it was this <laughs> company out. But and anyways, doing the same thing, like talking yeah. about how I could explain to people about like yeah. the, the different opportunities. And it was, it, it, it was exciting. It was exciting. Every company I worked with went to zero, yeah. but nonetheless, like the experience of like telling stories and yeah. understanding how to translate a complex idea into something that was understandable. I mean, that's skills that I've been able to use. In I mean, my life. it taught
1: me so much. I mean, you're, you're right, right? Like 99% of those companies fail. So you learn about failure early on. I got to see so many of my clients fail, like all these management <laughs> yeah. teams. And I was yeah. just like, Whoa, like what, what they do, how they mis misappro- you know, miss their, how they mismanage their funds. And just basically, I don't know. Just tons of things, man. Like, and uh, I, that's how I really learned a lot about early on failure, how important management was, how important it was to, uh, you know, if you're raising money to, you know, be careful of how you're actually spending that money. Um, A lot of these companies, they would, they would just spend money like crazy. And I learned a lot though. And I I loved it. I loved that time because I was traveling the whole country meeting all these new you know, innovative companies. Um, and I and I was doing well. I actually, when you bring up the gold, it it like brings back my memories because that's how I made my first like millions of dollars at a young age was i would fly to a company called great panther silver i went into
0: their mine (laughs) oh yeah it's fucking crazy going into the mine right like deep deep into the earth yeah it just keeps going down you're like i was like thank god there's a guy with like more more down like more down yeah more (laughs) down like really we're pretty like is this like was this mordor like where the demon's gonna be like is gandalf with (laughs) us? because we might be digging too deep in this spot yeah really fucking interesting yeah. But then when the recession hit,
1: that was right. Because again, that was yeah. right now before Lee Daly again, all the money that I had made, I lost all of it. So I went from, and it was the, one of a great moment, one of, a moment I cherished because I was like this Justin Bieber, like kid, like I had made all this money, never had it. I, 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 took care of my family, but like, I was buying two Bentleys and I had the penthouse. Two Bentleys. yeah. You know
0: why? Because one Bentley is bullshit. It's not (laughs) enough. Like for a man to have one Bentley, like, fuck you. Just one, (laughs) you fucking loser.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh man. Yeah. So that's it. I was that douche, man. I was that that douche. Yeah, I was. I, uh, and, um, you know, just, it was cool. I remember like for my 20, my, my 24th birthday, I flew this. I was fun. I flew every one of my best friends from high school to Miami, took out a 150 foot yacht, got my whole family on the boat. It was like I was like this little mini Wolf of Wall Street kid on this boat. You so know? dope, <laughs> so dope. Yeah, it's like, except it didn't sink. <laughs> but, but, but what did sink was uh, when the you know the market crashed, and I yep. was this you know cocky kid who thought and you were I had fully it all. invested in the market. Fully invested in the market, yeah. I was up twenty million in the market. You know, mid twenties, thinking I leveraged. Had the world. I'm sure, yeah, leverage margin. Yeah, and then boom, I get crushed. Whoops. And um, in that moment, that's the moment, the first moment in my life that I learned about ego. Mm -hmm. and and it was like, oh, now I have to sell those cars. Now I have to move out of the (laughs) penthouse, (laughs) you know? And, um, yeah, it was tough. And my mother was the, she was the catalyst for me not becoming, you know, going down the the path of like self-destruction. She was like, you know, that was the moment she told me, like when she came here from Cali, she was like, I never wanted to tell you this, but you know, when I was, I was the oldest of your uncles and aunts and I, uh, you know, our, we had a studio apartment and she's like classic story. And she's like, I'm walking home from school. I'm probably 15 years old and the apartment building's on fire. And I thought, you know, everyone was gonna be like dead. I run home. Luckily your grandparents got out and your uncle George, your uncle Louie, you know, aunt Liz, they all got out. And she's like, but we had, like, we really report, but now we literally I have, have nothing. And she was like, I had to as the oldest sister Had to go to Canal Street, drop out of school at that age, convince my teacher. And she's like, You're not, you're crazy. And she was like, No, no, no. Like, if I don't do this, my family can't eat. So they were like, okay, you got to come for night some night classes and things. And my mom went here in the city to Canal Street in the middle of the winter and watch stands to make a little bit of money for my grandparents to rebuild. Mm-hmm. And now she's telling me this, she starts like basically crying to me. Like, I didn't want to have to ever tell you that I had to go through this. Yeah. And I saw my mom work seven days a week as a, you know, with me and my sisters, yeah. you know, my mom was just like, she worked, man. She was a mom, you know, super mom and worked. You know, that my mom and I were a team. And um, so my mom's crying to me, telling me this, and she's like, So if I was able to get through that shit, Gerard, you can lose everything, but they can't take this and they can't take this. And she points to her heart. And I was like, All right, I gotta go do, I gotta go bounce back. I gotta do this again. Yeah. So I was like, what what am I great at? And that's again where I was like, I love content. I love storytelling. Mm. So right before Elite Daily, I was like, well, first, what I want to do is I I have to tell the story of what's happening with our economy because every kid that I went to high school with now is graduating college and they can't get a job. They have a worthless degree and they have college debt. And all of them are watching the Kim Kardashians or or the Jersey Shore (laughs) on reality TV. And they're not paying attention to what's really, truly happening with the economy of the United States. So I decided to start making documentaries about the economy, about the dollar, about um, the, co- the student loan debt crisis. And, and then that is what, when I had an intern working with me, he was like, hey, why don't we start a publication? And he was like, let's start Elite Wall Street. And I was like, fuck no. <laughs> and I was like, we got to think bigger than that. And at that moment we were, uh, we were like, well, like, we have to go to so many different websites, similar to your story when you created on it, you know, for us, it was like, we were these like young millennials and we felt we had to go to all these different websites to get the news that we wanted, you know, whether right. it was health, business, dating, humor, entertainment, it was to get to go to all these different websites. And then most of them were handed down to us and the people writing it are are like over the age of, you know, 40 years old. So we're like, let's create the voice of generation Y, let's cover every one of these. And we were naive. We didn't have any, you know, not, you know, people were like, Saying our site's bullshit because you know we didn't have a journalist background or mm-hmm. have a degree, but that was the beginning. You know, we, we bought it for nine ninety nine on GoDaddy. It was in my apartment, not the big one with like folding chairs. Me and a couple, you know, young guys, um, and I was the big brother of the bunch. This was the first time in my career now that I kind of felt that I had to step up as more of the mentor rather than the mentee. Yeah, and um, I told my co-founder David that I was like, "You're going to be the CEO." He was nineteen at the time. And I was like, and um, you know, I gave him that, the belief. And mm-hmm. um, I took more of like this, like uh, a president, more of like looking at the strategic partnerships and figuring out like more of the financials and kind of the macro. Um, and he was the one who kind of like took over the micro. And we had another uh, another co-founder, Jonathan San Pedro, who I, uh, who I love, man, he's like the rock. Yep. And he was just work ethic like no other, he was our COO. And uh, yeah, man, and that was the, That was a, that was a wild journey, but a lot of people don't know the, how did that, you know, they think like it kind of, maybe that
0: my career started with Elite Daily and didn't. Well, it's, you know, in order to even put someone in as CEO to a thing that you had kind of been the initial impetus for requires a surrender of a certain amount of ego right it requires a surrender of those three letters that a lot of people hold as so valuable like there's so many people who have no business that hand me a card that says ceo of some fucking <laughs> bullshit ass business that doesn't hasn't even started yet and it's like here i am ceo of fucking yeah i wish this was a company.com you know yeah. like like okay cool man but you have to learn that that doesn't fucking matter what matters is like am i creating something of value and am i is my heart in it you know is this something that i want to be involved in and is it of service to people it doesn't well my let the letters on my name like that, doesn't fucking matter yeah. that's the second bet like that doesn't that doesn't matter at all and i think you probably had to have all of those lessons all of those reflections of the ego you know to be able to be like oh yeah we can fucking do this and that doesn't matter what letters i have i, I know what i'm here to do i know how i can help i know how i can build the team that can do that yeah but it's it's interesting how like you're not going to be able to create that thing that you can ultimately create until you've had until you're ready like really ready and for you to get ready you know you weren't ready yet you had to get fucking smashed yeah (laughs) you had to get smashed first and then Mm. feel the resilience and the learning of that smashing in order to reach the success point that you've had yeah And you can learn from other people you know i learned a lot of lessons about ego from a lot of these other companies that would fail and mismanagement and i remember one company i was in the it was a ceo came from a big company and he came to this little company that was just raising money and trying to figure it out and the first thing he did was lease the most expensive office possible well that just drove up the fucking burn rate to an obscene amount and there's and it was just it just drained the money far quicker yeah then they were able to actually explore and find the net, the resources that they were looking for. And yeah. it's like, why did you want that big office? Oh, because your identification was the one yeah. who was in the corner office that looked like this, not about like, yep. oh, how can I fucking help this company the most? This is so important,
1: especially for a lot of the young, you know, like young entrepreneurs that I, I, I mentor now. You know, like I look back and I'm like, I'm so happy that I lost all that money. I'm so happy that I- you know i don't regret the fact that i ha- bought those cars and did all those things because now i don't need that now i recognize like that that you know wasn't who i was that's not my identity so you know even a lot of them i'm like uh, you know if that if you need to get that out of your system go ahead do it that's part, <laughs> yeah, of, totally. your, part of your journey your man go learn. for it yeah, you know yeah. go for it you know and uh you know there's nothing wrong with it but uh, but now cuz i still love nice things it's just of that course. now totally i've learned that none of that is what correlates to who I am and my happiness and my identity anymore. But I had to go through a lot, man.
0: I think that's, you know, one of the things that it is one of the the great ways to learn is you have these things that you, you give, I think, you know, I, I just had a conversation with Mark Manson and he talked about, you give certain things, God power, like you, you worship these certain things and success and money can be one of those things. And it's hard to know that it's not God. And it's hard to know that it's not the most important thing. And it, Until actually you collapse that illusion by actually achieving it, you know, so I think you could probably stay if money and success in that material fashion was that thing that was most important and you were just chasing it your whole life and never got it. That's a harder way to learn because you'll never know like, (sighs) oh, I got it and it wasn't it. (laughs) There's still so much more out there. You know, so it's, but a lot of it is, and you can learn from other people, it doesn't have to be you. And and that's a skill that we also have, but that is kind of part of the hero's journey is you get what you want. And then if you're aware, then you realize, okay, now what do I really want? You know, like what is the truth about what is gonna make me the most fulfilled, the most free, the most happy, the most of service, the most of all Yeah, because, you know, for me, it didn't stop, right? Elite Daily
1: became the next thing. Yeah. Right, because Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden it went from, well, we can do this. It's naive to oh, now we have eighty million unique visitors. Now we have two hundred employees. Now we have the cool. Now we have the cool. You know, cool culture, and we have the this big publication. So the next lesson for me was that exit because again, people were praising this exit. You know, and it was and for me, I didn't want to sell the company because I was so like, no, Elite Daily is it. Like this is this is it's bigger than money for us. Yeah, you know, this is a brand. There's a brand here. We've created a movement. We've created a culture around this. Like I was so attached. To that brand. Sure. So when we sold, a lot of people don't realize. Like I went into a depression because now I was like, oh, that again. My I was attaching my identity to it, mm-hmm. to the pack where I was like, oh, like, and you know, you sell a company, what happens? People want you to go and speak about it. They want to pull you <laughs> up, all these things, you know. And I'm, it's it's crazy, um, but they don't really recognize what went on beforehand. And then for me, I had to go through losing it to then realize what is my purpose? Like, why am I here? right? It wasn't Elite Daily. It wasn't all these things I've done. Like, why am I here? Who am I? And I think so many like millennials, like it takes a long time for us to really, truly think and ask that question because from such a young age, we're conditioned, especially here, we we're just talking about this in the elevator. I really genuinely believe that, right? from Especially in the US, it's like, you know, so much, we're, we're conditioned so much. It's out of control from a very young age. So, um, you know, it's, I was talking about this with Jay Shetty on my show, you know, it's like, you know, you're feeding this beast your whole life of like ego, Mm. you know? And then, so it takes a long time for you to finally, and and like, you have to go through so many different challenges of losing things and, you know, hitting rock bottom and going through maybe depression, maybe losing, you know, the the love of your life. I don't know, going through those really dark, dark moments. And um, for me, a lot of people, were praising me for this exit. But deep down inside, I was like, I, I, lost, I lost my identity. I didn't know what, what was right. next. I didn't know how, how, if I'm, you know, I just didn't feel like I I lost my purpose in a sense. And I had to go and figure out that wasn't it, you know? And um, then it, I was able to start asking the right questions. I think it takes a long time because that's what I think pulls out Gets you, gets you out of the conditioning. You have to start asking yourself the right questions. And when you live in a time where everything is over, there's it's so much information now. You got social media every single day. It's your comparison, like every day, you're looking around, you know, it's just, it's hard for you to pull back and go through that soul searching and to start asking you yourself, like, who are you? Yeah. What matters to you?
0: Why are you here? which is kind of all the same question in a certain way (laughs) you know because like when you really know who you are then you know what your song is and what your medicine is and why you're here and it all gets kind of very much gets smaller and tighter and as the marble goes down the funnel towards the loop of all of these questions but i think that's your path that you took the courage to keep going and experiencing has allowed you to accelerate that path like dramatically and i think that's that one of the key lessons and when i mentor people too it's like you gotta fucking send it because whatever you learn whatever happens success failure like the faster you can get to that thing yeah the faster you get the learning the faster you learn about which questions you need to ask but if you hold back and you kind of you know, avoid and avert your eyes and distract yourself with this or that. And you don't, you get into a relationship, but you don't really open yourself to love and you don't open yourself to vulnerability. You'll delay your learning process. But if you just fucking send yeah, it. You can't avoid, you, you can. got to You can't avoid, you got to run all right the way. into it.
1: Right? You got to walk into that fear, walk into it, you know? And I think that's like the number one thing that I've learned is like being resilient. It, it, I think that's, that's it, man. In life, it's just, you got to be willing to to at all, realize that you're gonna go down. It's just, it's yeah. life, you're human. You're gonna get punched in the face. You're gonna get kicked. You're gonna get scarred. You're gonna, you know, it's gonna happen, you know? And you just gotta keep moving forward. You gotta look for that lesson, you know? And I know you talk about this. I just watched your video, but you just went through, you know, with the accident. And I was just like, man, that was the most beautiful video I've seen in a fucking <laughs> long time, Thank man. You. Really, really beautiful. And I was just like, that's it, bro, you know? Um, You know, it's, you got to go through that stuff. And I'm really glad that you talk about these things because a lot of people, they don't when they go through something like
0: that. It it, it scars them to the point where they don't, they don't look for that lesson immediately. Yeah. Yeah. To know that everything that's happening is happening for you. Right. And if it's happening, you're doing something right because you're fucking learning. You know, I think one of the things that I learned from my friend tim kennedy who's like top of the special forces got to the high ranks of the ufc is now on a successful tv show i mean excelled at so many things he has the attitude of when he goes to train or when he goes to do something he goes well how fast can i fail like how fast can i get to failure in the gym you know and like to him that is like because the faster he gets to failure the faster he learns where his failure point is you know and so that's allowed him to accelerate so far it's like an embrace of the inevitable failure the Failure of the human body the anabolic system or the aerobic system or wh- anaerobic system whatever system he's testing to that point and Bodie miller the olympic you know skier and gold medalist and same thing like he would push himself to failure so he would learn like oh okay well here's my capacity but i know that that's my capacity because i didn't just fucking half-ass it and stop like i went and i sent it till i fucking learned yeah. you know what that thing is and that embrace of that moment of an acceptance of our limitations and and our and what we know at the time and then being able to reflect upon that and be like huh i wonder if i ate a little different if i would have been able to do that different i wonder if i'm oh is this overtraining? am i actually diminishing my capacity am i accelerating my capacity or you start to be able to really analyze and have data sets from that effort yeah and also the mental framework of knowing that that failure is just not a failure never a failure there's no such thing failure is a fucking myth yeah it's a lesson, you know, like it's just a lesson. And then you actually, well, you could say, well, you could die. Yep. You could die. But then you could also kind of imagine an infinite soul who's here in multiple Mm. lives and multiple bodies. And you just learned this one time. And okay, it was a failure in this life, but guess what? You're still learning for the next time. But you know, and obviously that's a hypothetical scenario. It's something that I believe personally, spiritually, but you know, there's always a perspective where you can say like, Everything is just this arc of learning. I mean, this past year has been definitely the most
1: transformational for me as a, as you know, thinking about what makes a great leader. It's the reason why I've created my show, Leaders Create Leaders, and I went through having a really like hard time last year. And I met a Navy SEAL, and I know you're talk. You talk a lot about these these mentors of yours that have served. And this this one moment. And these three questions kind of really changed my life. And I was in a point where when I was going through that, searching for that purpose and trying to figure out who I was, and I decided I wanted to, I really wanted to be um, a mentor. I wanted to be someone who was a role model for this generation. And I wanted to redefine the word influencer in in a world where it's just all about the followers and the likes and the views. I was like, you know, I want, I want people to know what it truly means to, to be a servant leader, to go out there and and to be conscious about the impact that you can make on others. So I went to Newark, New Jersey, where my, my where my grandparents uh, and my parents uh, immigrated and where they grew up, and went to one of the worst hoods and built an incubator in that hood and started educating and working with the inner city youth and teaching emotional intelligence and financial literacy and entrepreneurship and things that I wish I learned at a young age that mm-hmm. I felt helped me have the attributes to, to, um, create the success that I have in my life. And in doing that, I was like super stressed out. Like I was doing it and I, and, and I, and I was like, this is something I felt was a part of my purpose, but internally I, I, for some reason was like, kind of just broken inside. I felt like I had to be this superhero. I thought that being a leader was putting on the cape, being a superhero, going to the worst part in the hood, you know, being there for the team, showing up every day, being the best every single day, grinding every <laughs> single day, showing up every single day. And then I was at home, I was just like, holy cow. I went through a really bad breakup, you know, four years. Thought we are gonna, you know, I thought she was the one. And so at home, at, like going home, every I was broken. And I met a Navy SEAL. I was, it was Memorial Day weekend last year. I was shooting the Leaders Create Leaders shoot. I'm in this bar and here this guy walks in, he has an army hat and this other guy walks in looking like Sylvester Stallone, like Rambo. I'm like, oh, yo, this is, so I go right up to these guys. I'm like, yo, have you guys served? And they have a girl with them. She's like, yeah, absolutely. He served for like 30 years. He just got out I'm relief. And I'm like, I was like, listen, I was like, in this country, so many of us, we all, you know, admire and look up to these celebrities and influencers like, but you guys are the real heroes. And I was like, would you mind if I buy you a beer? And he was like, hell yeah. So she's like, thank you so much. Not everybody does this. And I just like talked to these guys and got to know them. And the other guy was a seal, but he wouldn't open up to me but I was asking me like, oh, what I'm doing? I'm like, well, I'm in Newark. And I told him a little bit about my story. And anyways, that day ends, right? Monday comes, it's Memorial Day. And I'm telling my family and telling everybody, I'm so excited. I just made a seal on a guy who served for 30 years. And, you know, I was, I was just, you know, I, 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 uh, I had pride, you know, listening to these guys tell me that they made that sacrifice for our freedom. And I go back home to Newark, two weeks. I'm back to being Superman and I'm home and i get a phone call my team's like gee there's like a rambo looking guy here like 6 in the morning and i go and
0: uh you know go to go to the incubator and there he is his name's paul So Paul's in my incubator. And basically he's like, listen,
1: I I had a calling. He's like, I don't know. I'm not supposed to be here because I'm still in San Diego. I'm still like, you know, on duty. He's like, I don't make a lot of money. But he's like, I just felt a calling. I know I can help you. And I had to come here. And now I'm looking across at this guy. I'm like, I can't believe he traveled to Newark, New Jersey. He's still serving as a seal. Like, what would, you know, like like he's he's saying he had a calling. He felt like he, you know, so he looks me in the eyes. He's like, so how are you? And in that moment, I was like, all right, if there's ever a time I'm going to be really fucking vulnerable and honest right now, like this is the this is the time to do it. So I was like, to be honest with you, bro, like I'm fucking broken.
0: So, so wait, is this the seal or is this, this the other? This is the seal. This is the seal. I wouldn't so open up to me as much. Just watching, just, just observing. Watch, yeah. This is the seal, his name is
1: Paul. And, you know, he starts talking to me and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to be this leader. I'm trying to, you know, show up every day. And he's like, listen, he's like, first of all, he's like, you have to realize that your, your, your whole, cause I was also worried about my team being stressed. And he's like, mm-hmm. if you keep trying to show up like this every day, he's like, how do you think that's gonna make the people around you feel? Like if you, he's like, when I'm a CEO, if one of us goes down, we need to know that the, the, the rest of us need to know to pick that person up and to pick them up and like carry them out. He's like, so you have to start being vulnerable. You have to be that like transparent. You can't, yeah. be, you know, and you have to start to, you know, like focus on that, focus on you. And then he said to me these three questions cause I was like concerned about, um, you know, just moving forward. And he's like, listen, he's like, answer these three questions. If the answer to these questions are yes, you got to always do it. And he's like, if it's the hard thing for you to do, it's the most uncertain thing for you to do and the most uncomfortable thing that you can do, as long as it doesn't impede on anyone else's happiness, you got to do it. And now <laughs> like, not only have I realized I can take that cape off, and I just got to focus on be, living my best life, being the best leader I could be for for me inside. And then I started going through like and I told you, like a lot of spiritual work and a lot of, you know, um, being a lot more vulnerable with my team, being honest, you know, stop chasing certain things that I, you know, that I felt were attached to success instead of like yeah, external validation versus yeah, like a lot internal fulfillment. Yeah, a lot of that. And, um, so, you know, for anyone listening too, you know, the, when we talk about, when I, when I say like, well, the, ask those the right questions, I feel like those three questions for me are the things as I live by now, ever since Paul ingrained that for me. So anytime I feel like this is the hard thing, the most uncomfortable, most uncertain thing to do, I drive forward. And, um, and then also, you know, he, he kind of really, really redefined for me what it would, it, how to be a great leader.
0: So much of the value of anything is on the other side of that uncomfortable thing you know that is like probably one of the big staples Uh, well it's a staple of fucking stoicism first of all it's not like i fucking invented this or any of us invented this or even the navy seal invented this like we've known for a long time that in applying yourself to that challenging point of resistance that obstacle that sticking point like the magic is on the other side because all of those things are things that are trying to deny our true potential and our true power like anything we give anything we give that unnecessary amount of importance to that creates the fear and whatever else i mean yeah there's actual danger like I'm going to be mindful of actual danger you know what i mean but those things that emotionally we're scared of or that don't correlate to actual danger like your power as a human being your own you know surrender to your omnipotence that you have within yourself you know obviously understanding that everybody else is omnipotent too so we're in this co-created situation but it's a surrender to actually how powerful you are and not allowing and worshiping the fear and giving it so much ability to try to master you you know by saying like oh i can't do this because i won't think about that you have to go right at that stuff yeah. and say like okay you know i've been holding you up as this idol and it's become more important than my understanding of myself let's see what's on the other side of yeah this it's thing. like not neglecting the fact that we oh. all have fear you know it's like all of it's, us. It's part
1: of it. It's part of this, this mind of ours that's just built to try to make us survive, you know? And it's just, you know, learning to be aware of it, be conscious of it and- Lean in. Lean in, you know, lean in. And like you said, like, learn from it. it may, maybe you go down, maybe you fail, maybe, but you just, that's just, a, that's their growth. That's going to build your character. That's going to help you learn what's next for you. And, you know, and uh, that's the biggest thing that I learned in doing when I went and did 5-MeO DMT. Oh,
0: shit. Here we go! I love it. <laughs> I didn't know this was coming, but let's bring it. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean that—that that to me, I didn't even expect it. And um, right after that—that that meeting with the seal, I had a, a, an entrepreneur that I didn't know what the hell this. I didn't even know what DNT was. I didn't know any about any of this stuff. Um, I was scared. It was right after he gave me those three questions. I had be- befriended Daniel D Piazza. He spoke at my event, and he's like, "Gee." I just want to bring you to my shaman. Don't know what a shaman is. He's like, I think it would really help you. And we're going to go through this. It's it's the medicine and it's natural. It's within you. He's telling me all these things. Next thing I know, I'm like, all right, it sounds like you're just the matrix and you're giving me the red pill, the blue pill here. Yeah. And at that moment, I looked at over at my uh, my partner in, in the show, Digital Jeff, and he's like, hard thing, uncomfortable, uncertain. Gee, if you live by, <laughs> you know? and I'm like, all right, let's Here's do it. Your chance. And that was like going through that process, wow. Like not only did it force me to at the deepest, deepest level commit to leaning into fear, but it allowed me to open up to a level of self-love that I've neglected my entire life as an entrepreneur. Um, Let me go right at the fact of like, the pr- how I was trying to prove everything to the world. Like I faced all of this stuff like so head on. And then I felt such self-love once i be able to let go of it, detach, mm-hmm. like die. And and it almost gave me this like, this confirmation afterwards of that the warrior's within and that like God is real. Because <laughs> like, you
0: felt it. Oh, it's- That's why they call it the God particle or the God molecule, right? Yeah. it's like- <laughs> It's yeah. a different fucking thing. Yeah, for it's not I- for everybody and I'm not saying I'm not like an advocate. I'm not saying everybody go do it cuz yeah. you have to be called to it. You have to be in the right space, the right setting, the right time, the right Oh yeah, for sure. But when it all goes right, <laughs> which it often does, it's a fucking different thing. It's a knowing. Whew. I mean, it's it totally it
1: totally um just like changed me and 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 just I don't know if the changes evolved. I evolved. Yeah. I shed this I shed pieces of ego that and and fear and stories that I've had for a really really long time that I didn't even realize I was suppressing. So many of us don't even realize that we're suppr- things that we're suppressing, you know. And um, it then once I came out of that man, I was just like, uh, oh okay, like wow, you know. I was like, there is there is life after all of this. It makes you feel almost like you're on your deathbed, and you realize what really matters. Mm-hmm. what really genuinely matters. Why am I so freaking worried? Why do I care mm-hmm. so damn much about all this shit? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, what's interesting is we still go back into it. We're still in this world of like, you know, I feel it's, it's that's what I, I've learned I, from I just interviewed Susie Batiste who built a poo She's done ayahuasca over a hundred times. And what I've learned, like the
0: practice of some of the people that I've interviewed, that Wait, the, people go, the irony that that someone who's done ayahuasca a hundred times made poopery, yeah, <laughs> is not lost on me. Because everybody's shitting their pants when you're doing ayahuasca. Yeah. The very first time I did, I remember the woman next to me was like, "I can't tell if I actually shit my pants. I imagine I shit my pants." And if you've done a hundred, you've been in a lot of shitty situations. So for sure, you're making poopery. <laughs> it makes fucking perfect sense. Oh.
1: Oh, that's so great. Yeah, amazing. And it's, and yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. So makes I sense. derailed
0: you. You had some point that, no, no, that no, no. It was gonna be about her. But
1: like, it, it's just it's hearing from her the practice of it, yeah. how she continues the practice. It's not recreational, but the practice of it. And every time, you know, you shed a little bit more and you get a little bit more aware with even without it on a day to day basis, yeah. through meditation and through practices and through things that I wanna spend way more time with you learning and vibing with you on um, how to just be, being present, you know, being really, really present. Like I'm gonna give you one example. I just went to Iceland um, two months ago and I have, you know, learned to master being present and that gift of learning that in itself to me, like being in front of a waterfall and not caring about putting it on Instagram and not caring about, you know, doc, like all that stuff, just like, just really being present. And in that moment, by by mastering that, the most beautiful rainbow formed in front of them, right in front of my eyes, perfectly around me. I'm watching this thing form and I'm just like, this is our planet. Like this is mother earth. Like it looked like, a freaking realm like just formed and it was the most all the water hitting me from the waterfall went from cold to warm and i just felt one with earth one with god one with myself and i wouldn't have had that experience i don't think
0: yeah if if plant medicine hadn't shown you the way yeah you know because that's i think the one of these key things is it's not the only way you access but it shows you it builds that bridge and then you can traverse that bridge with breath with meditation with satori with right. nature nature is, is as powerful medicine as anything out there and you're surrendering yourself to the present which is that state that we're all aiming for because that's really where the magic is and the love right, is yeah. and the bliss is and we express ourselves as love but the plants and in this case might have been the toad if you're doing 5 meo but the plants and animals and these tools that we have these medicines can help show us that spot so then we can find our way back more evenly more commonly and that idea of shedding too is like deeply embedded in the traditional ayahuasca culture that's why the anaconda is the sacred animal because the anaconda sheds its skin as all snakes do fully in one piece it sheds its skin so that it can grow into the new version of itself and that's the metaphor for the ayahuasca journey itself you shed this layer the psychic layer of your old scales of that which has been constricting you so that you can grow into that slightly mm-hmm. bigger version of yourself you know that slightly more expanded the slightly more free the and that's really what these things can do is just allow you to shed that which was old and constrictive mm-hmm. so that you can be what you are and, and you find that over and over it's not like it's adding new things it's almost like allowing you to get rid of those little prisons and little restrictions and those little things that are holding you back. And then you actually get to be who you are. I feel like
1: humans, we complicate the shit out of everything, (laughs) out of life. That's what it is. And when you go through that, you realize how much we actually complicate things, how much we actually overthink and complicate everything about this life. And I read this most beautiful poem recently, and it talked about, you know it was almost like, it was a fictional type poem that I feel is like pretty much reality. And it was talked about a person who dies and goes to heaven and meets with God. And this the story of what God explains is that he made him go back into a new life, right? Whole another re- reborn, but now as a completely different person, different ethnicity, different color, different weight, different everything, right? And what was the lesson? He God continues to do this over and over and over again, over and over and over again in the poem because he wants everyone to realize he's gonna do it until everyone realizes. And I had this message when I was, the last time I did DMT and Joshua Tree was, Gerard, it's so complicated, but it's, everyone's complicated, it's so simple. Love. Yep. That's it. If we all can just be love,
0: love each other, love ourselves, that's it. One word, love. I've, I've often said and i've had that same same experience and, it, and it's led me to believe that there's two forces in the universe love and delusion because there is only love <laughs> and everything else is a belief that there isn't love that this isn't love that this thing isn't love that this all isn't love right it's yes like love and delusion that's <laughs> yeah. it that's all we got i you know. know and fear tends to fall on that delusional side, but it's also love itself. And that's the delusion of fear, is that understanding we're in a world that contains fear. And so that's love too, because that's what part of the learning process, that's part of the thing that's gonna educate us and allow us to grow love and delusion. Yeah. And I mean, there's are.
1: just so much, you know, the culture I love right now. I'm, I'm loving like looking at history and looking at the history of humanity and different cultures and everything because all, obviously all that stuff is what has created this uh, delusion and created these stories and created things that have shaped who we are. Um, so I've just been, I've been really just diving deep into
0: into that. And I'm sure, you know, I can learn
1: a lot from you. Cause, well, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be yeah. fun
0: to like, jump in there and uh, and share what i've learned and yeah. learn what you've learned and um you know it's so beautiful for me to talk to people who've engaged on the experiential path you know because the lessons it's it's rare that you talk to someone who's done something like 5meo or ayahuasca and they report their stories and i'm like huh that doesn't make any fucking sense right, <laughs> you know, right. like well whatever conclusion you drew is like a, you know it's the the truths are all and it's like you find that at the core of most of the core major religions too is like you know as Paul Selig once said there's there's diamonds poured in a mortar of distortion you know but the truth like all the diamonds are tend to be the same like live presently God is everywhere it's all love you I know mean,
1: I was listening to you on your on stage at entrepreneur live and, and you you had talked about energy um amongst obviously a lot of things and in, you know I, I think everyone kind of is in agreement that like we are this we ha- we all have this energy around us and I was thinking about coming in I was we we're gonna do this podcast. And I was like, man, there's this little place in Chinatown. I don't know if you've ever been to it and they could take, it's like a certain camera. And have you ever done this? No. They take this Polaroid picture of you. You got to go into this weird like jewelry store, back of this jewelry store. And there's like this monk guy and he has this crazy camera. He takes a shot of you and it creates an aura. I want to do this with you, Mm -hmm. of your energy. And based on the colors- depends as in and, and there's lessons around whether you're stressed or you're you know you um are the judgments there all those all these like ancient asian uh like uh, uh what's the word basically um mythology mythology yeah. of energy is is based on these colors and everything and i said to myself i was like i want to take Aubrey to do this because Mm -hmm. I know he believes in energy because I believe if we I do believe in
0: energy I'm not sure it can be captured by a Polaroid. Okay, cool. Okay, (laughs) so I'm going to come in as a skeptic, but I'm happy to take some Polaroids with you. Do I? Do we leave our pants on when we take these (laughs) Polaroids? What are we doing? Just our pants on. All right, got it. But let's just say, right? Let's just (laughs) let's just say
1: that it is true. What would what would it look like if we did that around our planet? And we saw the energy of all the, our individuals, of where the suffering really lies, where the love really lies, and we looked, and we saw each other as that energy based on the the suffering and the love and the healing and stuff like that. It was kind of an interesting concept that I wanted to bring to you.
0: You know, in Peru, you'll see the rainbow flag flying everywhere, and for us, you know, rainbow means okay, it's homosexual. You know, like you go to the rainbow section of South Beach, it means you're fucking Juno you know, partying <laughs> yeah, yeah. and. It's a different, you know, that's what it means there. But for them, it's a spiritual teaching. And it's a, it's the teaching of the alignment of the chakras, the multiple colored alignment of the chakras flowing freely. Right, that's, that's right. right. And when the conquistadors came, their name amongst the people who could see the shamans and the medicine keepers who could see the energy of all of the alignment of the chakras, the rainbow people living with their heart. They called them the gray ones because their ideas about religion and conquest and greed and all of this had actually blocked that energy so that they didn't appear that way. The energy was like basically the clouds in front of the sun, which creates the cloudy day. It's not like they didn't have those rainbow chakras inside themselves, but they'd created armor that they not only wore in steel and chainmail on their body, but armor that they'd put around all of their energetic sources as well. So they were known as the gray ones because (laughs) that energy was obscured. By the light and that's again their own delusion their own cloud cover that they put in front of their own light that was shining and i'm sure there was obviously exceptions in the enlightened conquistador whatever i mean I, i'm not going to generalize anything or any class of, of people but yeah i mean i think that's there's definitely that force and it, it's it's interesting because you can feel it too even those ideas of chi i go through exercises with some of uh some people i work with that was taught to me by a kung fu master of like using your hands as bellows and combining it with breath until you can feel like almost like two opposing magnets of energy like feeling in your hand and and for the for uh, the billions of people that live in that eastern tradition it's like oh yeah that's chi like duh but like a westerner does it and it can actually feel it like somatically can feel something going between their hands they're like whoa what is that (laughs) you know it's like this cold divorce from this idea that we are energetic beings. Of course we are. We're molecules that are have mostly air and just atoms rolling around that are generating energy. We have brain waves that are projecting at different different speeds and different times. We're so much more than we think we exactly. are. Exactly. Yep. You know, and I think now, you know, I think we've kind of worshipped what science has been able to prove so far and just right. said well that's it that's everything well guess what science is fucking exposing new things all yeah. the fucking time oh yeah absolutely like all the fucking time so to say like oh well what science has shown right now is the only way it is and that's no science is evolving too and all of these things that are now you know well, think about that, how young that, we yeah, are yeah in that metaphysical and oh that's woo-woo. okay well give it time right you know give it as a species give it some time you know and let's see where this all goes cool be skeptical like i'm skeptical of those fucking polaroids hey bro but i'm a fucking believer (laughs) in energy you know like undoubtedly yeah undoubtedly all right we got to wrap this up but i want to give some some concrete advice for entrepreneurs who because you i saw one thing that you did which was cool which is like you have these pitch contests and something like that and everybody watching shark tank and everybody has like these ideas about you know this widget or this thing so when you're when you're listening to these pitches and you're picking somebody who's like okay you have an idea you're the person with the idea like what are the things that you're looking for and what are the things that those people listening who want who feel that calling to create and feel that calling to be an entrepreneur like what are the things that you find the most compelling about their story about their idea like what are the what are the commonalities between those guys there's so many different things um one, the thing
1: that comes to the top of my head right away is, are they coachable? Right, we talked about mm-hmm. the ego and things like that. Like, I like to find an entrepreneur that is, even though they're they're coming and they want to pitch me their idea, they're there to learn. They're taking notes. They're like, they're willing to, you know, they're they have the confidence, right? They have the det- for more than anything for me, it's like, you have the determination. Are you willing to? have that resilience that I talked about that when shit hits the fan and you don't have poo and <laughs> and you basically you know you you have everything go wrong because that's really what happens with entrepreneurship. You know, it's it's there's gonna be constant battles. I listened to one of your interviews, you know, in the early days of Ana and and you were saying like even even when you were going through those growing pains, you're like Mm -hmm. figuring out the processes. I had shit processes, then you had better processes. You had shit accounting, you get a better, learn about better accounting, better this, better, you know, it's like throughout, no matter what at all stages of your business and life, you know, you're going to continue to have to learn from your mistakes. You're going to have to, learn how to do things and optimize them and you know create automate better you know systems and better processes and all that stuff so are you coachable are you willing to learn and adapt fast yeah. because whatever your plan is that you're pitching me on I know for a fact <laughs> it is not going to be that way in a year let alone 5 years or 10 years from now they yeah. the billion dollar company you're telling me it's going to become so if you're willing to say i have a real i understand the problem clearly and I have a gap in a market and a solution that I have talked to customers about and that they value yeah. and that I can actually solve. And then you're willing to adapt along the way and you're willing to prove that out by actually- actually proving it, not because you believe in it, but because the people that you're helping and serving believe in it and feel that it actually brings value to them. And you're willing to have the determination and resilience and leadership to build that team and to know what it's like to empower that culture because you no successful business is a, with a lone soldier. Yeah. Then for me, I'm excited. And, you know, I wanna know that they, they also are very self-aware of what they're great at. I don't like the entrepreneurs that think they can do it all. I, I get it, I've been there, I've worn every hat too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also really good that when you're an entrepreneur that you understand the different aspects of your business, but what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. No ego, forget about titles, like you said earlier, what are you great at and where can you add the most value in your company? And again, don't have that ego, bring in a CEO if you need to bring in the guy that's going to be able to do the finance, bring in the girl who's going to help you with your marketing, bring that team together.
0: Um, and for me, that's the winning combination. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking beautiful advice. And I love that. And there's a story that I like to tell too. And and one of the things that I look for with anybody, an employee that I'm hiring or somebody that I'm wanting to back is if they've proven that they can be great, because to be great is hard it requires resiliency it requires being able to learn it requires asking for help it requires you don't become great just like fucking i'm just great you know like no way but so like so one of the key people on my team is my executive assistant ian and ian started off at one of the entry-level positions and on it and he was making shakes in the cafe and he was the worst shake maker (laughs) the company has ever had the worst i would actually literally go walk into the cafe to go get my shake i get a shake every day and on it and i'd go walk in and i'd see ian and i go okay and i'd fucking throw a u-turn because like this shake is gonna be shit and i don't want it and like but he was such a nice guy and like so like warm to the customers and so like willing to learn and asking questions and i was like all right you know cool you know obviously if you continue to suck this bad at making shakes like this may not be the spot for you but right. then one day you know i would i would order shakes and and i'd get one I was like oh this is really good who made this and I'd be like ian i'm like ian ian made the shake and then over time he became the best shake maker wow. that on it has ever had right and it's not because he had some magical fucking culinary ability that was latent and hidden it was just He was willing to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn and learn learn until he became the best at that. And I was like, oh, this motherfucker knows how to become great. Like, he can become great at this really (laughs) trivial thing, which is making shakes. I bet he could become great being the right-hand man of myself, my enterprises, all my whole picture. I bet he could become great at that. And sure enough, applying that same thing, you know, he's become a great asset and a great member of my team. And I think that's really key. Like, greatness is itself a skill. I, you're so right. It's
1: <clears throat> one of the things I really admire about you, and obviously, I'm sure all your guests that you, you you bring on and you interview, and and I, I'm interviewing all these unbelievable leaders and learning. It's like every single one of us, we're addicted to learning. That's the common denominator. Yep. Like every single one of us wants to learn. You know, and it's like because it's there's ne- every day, right? We're going to learn things new. Like everything's evolving. We're just saying science, technology, you know, personal development, like all these you know, uh, physiology, all these things. Like, there's never going to be things, like, it's always, I'm addicted to it. Like, I'm addicted yep. to learning and becoming the greatest version of myself. And I think that uh that's, you know, that's what an entrepreneur needs to do. You know, it's just like, be willing to say, like, fuck, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I, I can be better. How? Please tell me. You know, I don't want to be the smartest guy in the fucking room. Tell me, yeah. how can I be better? You know, and uh, a lot of, I think, entrepreneurs in the early on, and I, I would tell you, like, Don't think you need to prove yourself and be the best and have to show up and try to be something you're not. Be the person who's like, I'm here to learn. I want to learn. This is, you know, understand uh, what it is that you want to create and what you're good at, but be willing to learn and be addicted to it throughout the rest of your life.
0: The master is always a student. Fuck yeah. Great to have you on, brother. Thank you this so much. This was awesome. Eddie. Um, where should people follow you? Where's the best place for them to? Obviously, you got big social, it's awesome. Um, and but where else? Where should people look well, you? gotta definitely check out my series. Aubrey's gonna be on. It's
1: called Leaders Create Leaders. Um, I've decided that, you know, part of my passion is is storytelling. So I travel the country in search of today's modern day leaders and you know, the season four what I'm currently shooting is around conscious creators. So if you want to see Aubrey's episode, definitely check it out. It's on YouTube under Gerard Adams TV. Um, I'm most active on Instagram at Gerard Adams, and uh, yeah, just uh, you know, you know, it's a, this world. It's kind of
0: easy to find everybody nowadays. <laughs> it so. is, man. It is beautiful, man. Glad we got a chance to drop in, and look forward to doing more. Fuck yeah! Thanks, everybody. Peace. If this podcast with Gerard Adams has you fired up, you want to start your own business, you want to build something, you want to create something that's going to be of value to the world, that's going to be of service to something greater than yourself, check out the fit for service mastermind. That's definitely a major part of this focus because yes, it is about being physically fit. Yes, it is about being mentally fit and emotionally fit and spiritually fit, but it's also about building your platform. It's about your purpose. It's about spreading your medicine ultimately. And that can be a company, that can be a platform, that can be a book, that can be a piece of art, that can be anything that you want to create that you're going to give. I mean, that is the goal of the hero's journey is to go into the darkness go into the depths explore struggle sweat grind and come out with the elixir and return home and be able to give that thing to the widest number of people possible so for those of you applying to the fellowship thank you so much i deeply appreciate you and for those of you who haven't checked it out yet aubreymarcus.com slash Fit for Service. It's about to kick off January 1st and for anybody who applies after that time you'll just have to start one quarter after and you'll start with mentally fit instead of physically fit but it's still going to be a year-long program and we're going to open up enrollments throughout the entire year. Thanks everybody.